Welcome back to Radio Free Acton, the podcast of the Acton Institute, where we bring some moral and theological reflection to bear on the important issues of the day. If you missed our last edition, uh, you'll want to catch that. Go back and listen to that because we're uh, actually on part two of a two, two-part series today talking about health care reform. My name is Mark Vandermoss. Glad to be your host today, and I'm joined today by two doctors, one of them a medical doctor, one of them an academic doctor, the medical doctor sitting across the table from me, Dr. Donald P. Condit, an orthopedic surgeon specializing in hand surgery right here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the home of the Acton Institute. He graduated from Notre Dame, went on to the University of Michigan Medical School, and then got an MBA as well as his MD from the Seidman School of Business at Grand Valley State University. His emphasis of study was economics and the ethical allocation of scarce health care resources. And somewhere in there he finds time to be a clinical associate professor of surgery at Michigan State University as well. Dr. Condit, welcome back. Thank you for coming again. Thank you, Mark. Nice to be with you too, Kevin. Kevin, you there? I'm here. You just heard Dr. Kevin Schmeising, who is uh, with the Acton Institute. He's a research fellow in our research department here. He's a frequent writer on Catholic social thought and economics, serves as book review editor for our Journal of Markets and Morality, and he's also the executive director of CatholicHistory.net, which you'll want to check out online. Dr. Schmeising, again, thanks for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, in our last uh, podcast, we talked about the problems that we're facing in our current health care system in the United States. It's obviously in need of fixing, so uh, please don't come away uh, with the idea that we're just saying no to universal health care. We also talked about universal health care and some of the problems that that presents for the U.S. if uh, a universal plan and more government control or involvement in the health care market uh, comes to be. What we want to do today is talk about some ways to reform the system, to give a positive uh, approach to the reforming of health care that not only meets human needs but also uh, deals well with basic economics. Um, and, and the first thing I think we have to do before we talk about any major reforms in health care, um, as Christians, in, in our case uh, specifically as Christians, we have to talk about the principles that we're going to use to base any reform effort on. I'm going to turn to you, Dr. Schmeising. Can you can you tell us a little bit about what exactly we should have in mind uh, before we even start the process of developing legislation or proposals or plans? We know there are a number of principles that we could discuss, but I'm going to try to boil it down to two, and I think it's, uh, it will serve us well to, to focus on these two. The first of them that, uh, you know, the Popes talk about in the Catholic social encyclicals, they talk a lot about solidarity. Now, solidarity is really just a fancy way of saying love or charity, um, a virtue that, that we're all familiar with. <clears throat> solidarity is kind of love in its social dimension. And so solidarity uh, helps us to understand, to realize, um, to, to pay attention to our responsibilities as Christians um, in the social sphere, towards others, those outside of uh, our own individual circle of friends and our family, um, our, our responsibility toward the common good, if you will, to use another uh, term commonly called up in these discussions. Now, all of that sounds well and good, but uh, the problem often comes in kind of uh, applying that in specific situations or of finding a method. How do we express our love? You know, it's easy to express our love towards our children or our wives or our friends. How do we express our love toward neighbors, toward, uh, towards, uh, towards people who we don't even know, uh, people around the country who we nonetheless have some form of responsibility towards? And then I think we have another principle that comes in here, another fancy word, subsidiarity. But it's really a common-sense principle that suggests that uh, <clears throat> 
that uh, uh, problems, issues, matters of concern are best left to those who are closest to the problem. And when we have to deal with problems or when we have to address concerns, we sort of gradually move up a ladder uh, of higher and larger institutions. So, for example, to take our, our issue at hand, health care, uh, primary responsibility for health care, for maintaining our health and for securing the health care that we need lies with us as individuals. And uh, um, extending it very slightly uh, lies with us um, as members of our family. So, as, you know, as, as, as the father of a, of a household here uh, down in Ohio, I have responsibility for making sure my kids get health care. Um, in some cases where, uh, where there is poverty or there is low income or there are other challenges, it might not be possible for an individual or for a household, for a family to provide for health care. And then we can move. We can move to friends and neighbors, extended family. We can move to church. We can move to local organizations. Finally, we can move to governments uh, as a kind of final or ultimate safety net. That's the way subsidiarity works. It moves up that chain um, to higher and larger institutions to address the problems, but always with respect, always with respect for the individual. And it, it's really a, a kind of principle that ensures that individual dignity will be respected, that the individual, uh, the human person won't be lost kind of in, uh, in, you know, in general discussions or, or general concern for uh, the common good for society as a whole. Good principles to work with. The question then is, uh, what do we do? How do we proceed? And uh, for that, well, the Acton Institute has resources. The most recent resource that we've put out on this health care issue is a book in our Christian Social Thought series. It was written by the man sitting across from me, Dr. Donald P. Condit. It's entitled A Prescription for Health Care Reform. So I'm going to turn to you, Dr. Condit, and uh, why don't you start laying out some, some reasonable proposals to reform U.S. health care? What can we do to fix the problems that we have without completely overturning the current system and uh, possibly uh, hurting people? Well, I think as you heard from Dr. Schmiesing, uh, th those are two great principles to, to keep in mind, the principle of solidarity, and, and that kind of guides our effort, uh, Mark, to, to try to uh, obtain health care uh, for people across the United States, uh, and also the, the principle of subsidiarity, uh, where we, we try to uh, obtain help uh, to, to those, uh, those, those patients and families by those closest in need. And so as a, as a physician, uh, I, I see that there's been a real loss of, of, of a sense of personal responsibility for health care, uh, and there's also been a real deterioration uh, at the doctor-patient level, uh, a, a, a deterioration of the doctor-patient relationship with third-party intrusion uh, on, on, on that relationship. And so I think with those two principles, we have a, 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 lot, to, a, a lot to offer in terms of a Christian prescription, if you will, for health care reform. Uh, and, and this is reinforced uh, most recently by, by uh, Pope Benedict XVI, who, who speaks in his, his encyclical uh, uh, Caritas and Veritate, and then he begins the fourth chapter talking about uh, rights and responsibilities and, and how a, a right, and, and, and you can apply this in terms of health care, and he speaks of rights, 
presupposing duties. And in our context today, that would be a right to health care also presupposes a, a, a duty to take care of yourself and take care of your family and participate in, 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 the, in how health care resources are allocated. And uh, just today from the front page of the Wall Street Journal, there's a discussion of a, a woman with a history of congestive heart failure, and she knows if she has another heart, a hot dog with a, a, you know, a, a thousand milligrams of sodium that's probably going to put her back in the hospital. And what does she do in the Fourth of July picnic? She has another hot dog. And sure enough, she goes back in the hospital. And that's an example where uh, she, she does not pre- perceive personal responsibility for health care. Uh, and, and off goes uh, off she goes back to the hospital after a thousand uh, you know milligrams of sodium in her hot dog and probably some bar- uh, bean, baked beans in addition. Uh, and, and but there then there's then there's a you know a several thousand dollar health care bill and I see this in my specialty of orthopedics where people get uh, you know Cadillac hip and knee replacements if you will at forty or fifty thousand dollars a joint. Uh, and, and very little, very little is asked about how much that's going to cost. And uh, we can talk about MRI studies and so on. But there's a tremendous number of examples where uh, this third-party system, where someone else is perceived as responsible for health care, uh, is responsible for this overconsumption. And that's that's a big reason why Medicare is going to go broke in 10 years, unless you do something different. And, and I, I just have to, you know, back up to the first principle here of, of, of uh, you know, Christian social thought is uh, the dignity of the human person, and, and to 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 leave it up to our government, to, who's, who's had a, a track record of lack of respect for, for, for embryonic human life for, or, 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 you know, and, and the abortion issue and euthanasia and so on. So we have a government that has a clear track record of lack of defense of, of basic human dignity, and I think people ought to be very concerned uh, on basis of human dignity and also about the, the overconsumption of resources and what's this going to do to our kids and our grandkids. And I want to go back to this point, too. You, you mentioned the personal responsibility aspect. There are... Uh there are a lot of people who who make the argument that you can't uh, you can't really address what's wrong with healthcare with uh, with market principles because it's too complex or whatever. the 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 problem with that, of course, is that if you don't see the cost of 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 what your actions are doing, if if you can't experience for yourself that yeah, this is actually costing money, you're not necessarily going to change your behavior. A lot of the problems we have in healthcare is with overspending, but it's the the overspending. What 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 I'm hearing here is that the overspending is because people just don't understand what what's being spent. Yeah, that's that's an it's an important point, Mark. It's actually a kind of qualification to to something you brought up earlier, which was uh, that there there are unsustainable costs in healthcare. Well, I happen to agree with that personally, but you know, there's a deeper problem, which is what you point to here, and that is. We don't really know what the costs of health care are <laughs> at, at, a very, at a personal level. Uh, we don't have a sense of, of whether what we're receiving um, as consumers, as patients, is commensurate with what we're paying for it. And, and in, in this way, health care is really kind of a peculiar part of our economy right now uh, because we, we really, I think, I think most Americans have a pretty basic understanding uh, of the way supply and demand works, of the way price signals work, when it comes to all sorts of other aspects of our lives, including, including things that are essential for the maintenance uh, you know, of human existence, for human flourishing, things like food and shelter. Um, uh, we, we pretty much rely on the market to provide those things. We, we rely on the market to work well, to work efficiently, to provide us with what we need at a reasonable cost. Uh, and granted, you know, we have government safety nets. We have uh, nonprofit institutions. We have church groups and so on that, that help um, in all of those uh, uh, aspects of our lives as well. And yet when it comes to health care, we seem to have, uh, you know, a kind of... <clears throat> 
a failure to understand that the same kind of economic forces are at work. And so this is, a, you know, again, going back to the third-party payer problem, uh, that we have this disconnect between those who are receiving the health care and those who are paying for it. Now, again, uh, you know, let's clarify. We are paying for the health care we're receiving. It's just that we're not doing so directly, and so we don't have a sense of what we're paying for. We don't have a way to judge whether or not uh, what we're receiving is commensurate with what we're paying, and that's the fundamental problem. And as we think about ways to reform the system, that's the problem we have to address, and a lot of the reform proposals currently on the table uh, move us in precisely the opposite direction. They create more third-party paying problems, especially with government paying for health care. Well, let's, uh, as we wrap up this podcast, let's take a look at uh, the, the question that is on a lot of our minds. What is, is something that we can do? What, what would be an appropriate action that we could take to, instead of this third-party uh, payer system that we have now, uh, the system that de-emphasizes personal responsibility, the system that has all the problems that they have right now, what can we do to re-emphasize uh, the doctor-patient relationship, re-emphasize personal responsibility, and get people thinking a little bit more clearly about about healthcare costs and really reform the system? Well, one very practical measure that can be done at the level of federal policy to shift us out of this third-party system is to move the tax credit that currently rests with employers, um, which is why uh, a high percentage of Americans have their health insurance through employers, uh, move that tax credit to individuals and to families. And this permits families to buy their own health insurance plans. It takes employers out of the picture, which, which has a, a whole host of benefits. Uh, one of the benefits is is simply that it actually improves access to health care, uh, approaches this uh, goal of universality that we all have, uh, because you eliminate the problem of people losing their health insurance when they lose their jobs. And that, that's one of the, the major sources uh, for the uninsurance problem in the United States right now is because insurance is tied to employers. And so if we make that simple change, uh, I think we we address uh, a number of problems um, in this healthcare uh, uh, arena. Yeah, and just following up on, on that, uh, Kevin's discussion, uh, Mark, is, is the fact is, is that you know we, we talk about 47 million or so uh, folks within the borders of the United States that don't have access to healthcare, but but some of those people choose not to have healthcare and so on, or or people have transiently lost this with with the employer-based healthcare. So that would that would do a whole lot to to remove. Healthcare responsibility from the employer and make it more portable. And there's also reasons why that could become more affordable, uh, and so on. So people wouldn't be so dependent on on their employer to provide healthcare benefits. They could take it from job to job, and so on. And their families wouldn't be at such jeopardy as many families are right now in Michigan when when they lose the, lose their their job and, and lose the, lose their benefits and the ability to pay for for healthcare. Um, another, uh, you know, element that uh, for reform that the American Medical Association is is uh, is promoting is is for those people who do not have access to the healthcare market, help them in the form of, of subsidies or or tax credits to uh, 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 obtain healthcare insurance policies that, that give them access then to uh, primary care and, and especially care that's so so badly needed. And these are different steps that. Uh, empower uh, patients uh, and families rather than third parties, uh, along with the help of uh, physicians, uh, uh, to become more more you know, conscious uh, consumers uh, of 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 the the scarce healthcare resources that uh, that are available in, in this country. 
Dr. Donald Condit is an orthopedic surgeon here in West Michigan, specializing in hand surgery. He's also a clinical associate professor of surgery at Michigan State University. Dr. Kevin Schmiesing is a research fellow for the research department here at the Acton Institute. He's the review book review editor for the Journal of Markets and Morality and executive director of CatholicHistory.net. Both, uh, both of you gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an enlightening discussion. You're welcome, Mark. Thanks, Mark. And that'll do it for this podcast. Uh, we hope it's been uh, enlightening for you, and we want you to tune back in the next time we're uh, out with another edition of Radio Free Acton here on www.acton.org. I'm Mark Vandermoss. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.